2: Back with you, it's a Tuesday. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. And uh, looks like things are going to get set for baseball. Let's all scream hallelujah for some uh, live sports. We'll talk with... Uh, uh, tremendous talent uh, with the Oakland A's. Jake Deekman, going to be with us. Get his reaction to baseball back in business around 525. It is YouTube Tuesday, which means we will pick out a Nebraska game and a former player to chat with. How about old Mitch Crank, part of the 85 Bears, the old tight end from down Nebraska Cityway. Nebraska played a guy named Bo Jackson and Auburn in the 1982 season. That was right after the Penn State hose job, and Nebraska had an incredible fourth quarter and won that one uh, 41-7. Some thoughts from Mitch Crank and uh, his time against uh, Bo Jackson, Nebraska, Auburn from damn near 40 years ago, but it was uh, probably a top three to top five underrated win for Nebraska football, uh, especially after a very difficult loss. So that's part of YouTube Tuesday. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic will join us. We'll talk some Husker baseball recruiting with him, get his thoughts on COVID and college football moving forward. I know Mitch will have a take on Major League Baseball moving forward, so we'll get there with him. Numbers to get in today, 466-3776-466-3776, 825 466-3776, five eight six five. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio Chris Schmidt. That is me. Damon Barr at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon. Visit the bar and uh, can email Chris at halevarsity.com. So the news today for Nebraska is really good out of Georgia. We should be playing some some Ray Charles, Georgia on my mind, because uh, Nebraska able to land a tremendous back and get him out of SEC country, the commitment earlier today from Gabe Irvin. And Greg Smith was on with us last week. I think it was Friday. We had Greg on. and Greg always puts out his his Greg's guys, kind of a top 10 wish list slash. All right, these guys are on the radar radar to maybe commit. And he had three running backs on the list for Nebraska that Greg had kind of identified as Nebraska's in on. Nebraska wants one of these guys. And Nebraska needs a couple of running backs for the 2021 class. They get Gabe Irvin, and he's a three-star kid out of Buford, Georgia. We uh, plan to hopefully talk with Gabe, his coaches, either one. uh, At some point this week, we are out to – as we are efforting, as they say – so that is that is the plan. But let me tell you a little bit about Gabe Irvin. And and listen, you can be a couple of different types of, of recruiting fans, right? You can be wowed by the stars, which isn't wrong when you look at measurables and speed and competition level and camp performance. Listen, guys like Ndamukong Sue that are four-and-a-half stars – are four-and-a-half stars for a reason. They're really good. Can you tap the potential? Can they reach their ceiling? Can they play multiple years? Can they dominate? Can they almost win a Heisman? That's the dream, right? But it is a 50-50 shot if you're good at doing well in recruiting and then getting a return on that investment as a coach. The kid will get the return on the investment educationally. So how does Nebraska go down to Georgia and make this happen? Uh, listen, Nebraska has built up some fantastic relationships down in that SEC footprint. They've done so through Coach Sean Beckton. They have done so through Coach Ryan Hell. They've done so through Coach Scott Frost. And Nebraska has been very relentless, this crazy, screwed up, covid 2020 season they have been really good at not only developing relationships but identifying talent those are two monster puzzle pieces when you want to figure out a way to recruit and and get needs that you think can fit the program and when you look at Gabe Irvin Nebraska started recruiting him uh, after his sophomore season, he had a really good junior season, I think about 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, and he's a bigger back. What's his style? His style is kind of more of a, of a, of a Ziggy, Divino Zigbo uh, type type back. Uh, he, is, he is more a, a thumper. He is more of a downhill, physical 6'1", 200-pound back. Uh, so that is what you need in this offense you need the the hybrid guys like a wandale absolutely that can carry the football that can catch the football that can get guys in conflict either the outside linebacker coverage or your safety coverage but when push comes to shove man you want to be able to get the tough yards you need to get the tough yards in big 10 play and it, it sounds like uh, Gabe Irvin will be able to do that for Nebraska uh Diedrich Mills is also a very fair comparison. And so maybe you're not a, a stars guy. That's fine. So do you look at peer recruitment? Who else is after this kid? And Irvin had, <laughs> let me just tell you his list. He had 24 offers. And this started with Nebraska, sophomore year, picked up after his junior season. And Nebraska has made the effort to not dial down their their hunting. What have they decided to do? They've decided to be more all-in virtually, uh, more all-in from a contact standpoint. They are able to do that and continue to stay on kids and win them over, and first and foremost, gain their trust, okay? So that's how this has happened for Nebraska. They're able to do that with a guy like Gabe Irvin, who I think can be a, a really nice back. I think his speed is underrated. I saw on the the National Twenty Four Seven site uh, his his track numbers and his his speed for his size is is really 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 impressive. But the guy's a tackle breaker. He's a between the tackle runner, and and he's more like the uh, the uh, Adrian Killens type type back. I, that's kind of how I put him. If you remember him for Central Florida, how how special of a back he is. Uh, I also think of, of Freeman out of Oregon. and I know he was a third-round pick for the Donks, uh, and Freeman was a, a special combination of size and power. So Nebraska gets him. But here's the, the recruitment. It was Georgia. I mean, Georgia, his home state school, and Georgia Tech wanted him, offered him uh, Duke and uh, Arizona State. Herm Edwards doesn't miss much when it comes to talent evaluation. He's got Arizona State winning some big games. He's got some talent down in the desert. Herm's got that NFLI for projection, and he's got guys playing well down there. So, to beat out Herm Edwards for a kid is is nice. Michigan State coach Mel Tucker was in Arkansas, Colorado, Florida State. Florida State was offering Irvin, as well as Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Coach Herman at Texas was in on this running back. Iowa, when I think of uh, bruising backs, Iowa comes to mind. The U, Miami had offered USC, was uh, putting an offer out. Rutgers, think of Greg Schiano when he's had it rolling at Rutgers, he's had a Ray Rice type back. I mean, Ray Rice was his main back, but the point is, is that downhill style, a runner in the Big Ten. Central Florida, awful offered uh, also offered uh, Virginia Tech, Maryland, Syracuse, Washington State, and Tennessee. So there's your offer list of known and notables, and Nebraska able to get this done. Uh, who made it happen? Well, this is Coach Becton's area. He has great communication. He has great trust developed with programs around Georgia. And this is the second kid out of Georgia Nebraska's got. We talked to the wide receiver not long ago from, from Georgia. So Beckton's region was tapped again, and Ryan held uh, closed the deal along with, with Scott Frost. Pretty impressive for the Big Red to get this. And you're up to 10 commits for 2021. You get a running back you really like. And when it came down to the decision, in in looking at Greg Smith's story on HailVarsity.com for for Gabe Irvin, I think the difference for Nebraska was this, is that it was pretty genuine. I think it was a situation where, hey, these guys, yeah, they want me to go play ball for them. They wowed me with a virtual tour, even though I've never been to the state of Nebraska. But these guys actually, like, want to be there for me more than here's a football, score a touchdown, do it again. It's more of a personal connection. And, and I think that's that's true. I mean, that's that's the Osborne style. You talk to any guy that played for Coach Osborne, they loved the guy because he loved them. I mean, he he cared about the kid. It wasn't just a piece of meat. Best example, sorry. But there are some coaches like that. Can you go perform for me? And that's the extent of our relationship. It's beyond that for Nebraska. And that's how Coach Frost has worked things everywhere he's been. If you talk to his former players, you talk to his current guys, he cares about you. So that is, uh, that is the difference. And Nebraska's a program that, listen, Tennessee's had their struggles. Texas hasn't found consistency. Iowa's been a mess, at least off the field, with their strength training coach. That's, that's not a good look. Florida State is, we'll see what they do after Jimbo. Georgia's rolling okay I mean Georgia's a damn good football program and this is uh this is a win for Nebraska to get a kid out of SEC country it's a win for Nebraska because they get a need at running back and a style in their offense and that's the other side of things too watching some film on Gabe Irvin I like his decisiveness and I'm listen man I'm not Mr. Cisco uh, and Ebert here when it comes to to recruiting film and and pontificating. Here's what I see. I love watching football. Here's some things that stick out to me. Take it or leave it with <laughs> my, uh, my credibility on it, uh, opposed to some of the recruiting dudes. But I'll say this. I see a running back that doesn't jack around in the backfield. Gets the zone read handoff, runs between the tackles, breaks a couple of tackles. In, in high school ball, he's always moving the pile forward. A few times he'll use the thigh and knee pads to, to break a tackle, and then he can get in open field. And that's where it's fair to say he's sneaky fast, right? Uh, so he can, he can break off some big runs, but he's going to get you four, and he's going to get you four again, and then he's going to move the chains on it if it's a third straight carry. So those are good things for Nebraska football with Gabe Irvin. You have the why he chose Nebraska and what Nebraska is getting. We'll spend some more time with Mitch Sherman on just how Nebraska has been able to be effective recruiting here in about five minutes. Let's get on to Major League Baseball. Uh, Are you optimistic here that things will eventually and actually go smoothly for MLB, uh, Oakland A's pitcher, and uh, Nebraskan Jake Diekman will be with this, But Major League Baseball, their owners voted unanimously to proceed with a season under the terms of the March 26th agreement with uh, MLB players. What that means is the following spring training will open up July 1st. Now, things got to get signed off on. That may have already happened, but it was supposed to be now uh, with things signing off and movement forward where a hey, players can say yes we will report by July 1st to our spring training 2.0 for facilities and we accept the uh the health measures okay that's that's it uh so we'll spend some more time on major league baseball listen as much as I've been PO about the fact that owners and players can't get together I'm excited to hear from Jake Deekman you know his his foundation on colitis and uh, Crohn's disease, got it out. We had a really great talk with Jake Diekman, uh not long ago as he did a, a fundraiser for, for his foundation on Twitch. So I'm anxious to get his take. He's a Nebraskan, he's worked hard, he's a pro ball player, and, and he's a common sense guy. So let's get his take on it. Real quick, uh, you have the Nebraska State Patrol this is out from our sister station and media partner 1011 and Omaha 3 also reporting. Nebraska State Patrol is responding to a missing persons report for former Husker Maurice Washington. That news was out a little earlier today. You have the State Patrol and Husker back, former Husker back Maurice Washington He has been missing since June 19th. He's listed as a missing person. Hmm. So the kind of layout here, per the World Herald, was that Washington was sentenced in March after pleading no contest to misdemeanor charges related to transmitting video of an underage girl performing a sex act Washington sentenced to 30 days in jail and two years probation for sending the video so Washington was booked into Santa Clara County Jail in California in March he's since been released so now there's a missing person out from Washington I hope things are okay We'll talk with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. He's on the way. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: And we're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, Major League Baseball player for Oakland and native Nebraskan, Jake Diekman. In one hour, we say hi to baseball fan and Husker insider Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, have you have you got a hot dog and a beer to celebrate baseball?
1: If it officially comes back, I'll do that. Until then, <laughs> yeah. I'm not uh, getting my hopes hope up too much. See, do you think things... And I don't is, know, Chris, do I've even that, been like, I'm even a little bit soured on the... On the uh, they've they've lost me uh, in a sense. I'm sure I'll get back and watch um, when and if they're playing, mm-hmm. but not real enthused about the uh, 60 game season in light of the way things have gone for the last three months.
2: I, I think you're not alone with that reaction. I've whined about it. I'm I'm quite content watching junior play ball, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I I want to see some some home runs. I want to see some some ninth inning drama. Uh, do you think they screw it up? I guess uh, be- between now and, and later this evening, because it sounded like things were going to happen, but we, we thought that was going to be the case with the uh, the commissioner and the, the players' association last week when they went to Phoenix. Yeah, I think they'll
1: find a way to, to to mess something up. I do think eventually they'll get back on the field, whether it's sixty games or fifty-four. Yeah, I I, I expect there'll be more drama, and whether it's today in getting the last details ironed out on the, on the agreement or if it's something um, you know, more sinister down the road with uh, players testing positive when they get back to their spring training sites. I mean, they're not exactly, they're not exactly going into um, into coronavirus uh, um, friendly zones to, uh, to, to warm up, you know, warm up for the season if, if it's going to be done in Florida and Arizona.
2: Now that's an excellent point, And we'll see if, Maybe a change of venues in order. I don't know. That's not good. Mitch, I uh, thought on, on just the work Nebraska has done on the virtual recruiting trail. Uh, another commit today, Gabe Irvin, three-star back out of Georgia. I really like what I see in him. Good work by Frost and Held and Beckton to get him. But touch on Irvin, kind of your reaction to him. And then just overall, the, the work Nebraska has been able to do.
1: Yeah, I think it's important just to get a running back, um, obviously in the class, but one early that that you believe in. Um, I like the strategy. Look, I mean, Nebraska's doing the best with the situation that that it's been dealt. Um, This is a tough year for sure to recruit in this environment because they thrive so much on being able to bring kids in on unofficial visits around the spring game, on official visits, um, you know, in, in the couple of years that that's been on the table, um, you know they lose they use those sparingly, but the the official visits that they do use in the spring, um, you know, I think those are very beneficial, and that's been taken away. Um, you know, nobody, of course, is able to have kids on campus right now. But I think Nebraska, because of the distance that kids have to travel to get to campus. They benefit more than other schools when it does happen, if I'm making any sense here. Sure. So when you take that away, when you take those unofficials and officials away at this time of year, the last three, three months, then it's, it's, it's a difficult situation for Nebraska because a lot of the players that it's trying to recruit, they don't know as much about the program. And you couple that with the fact that they've, they've had a, a rough stretch of luck um, in their own state with Avante Dickerson Um, and with Keegan Johnson picking not just other schools but division rivals, and you've got Thomas Bedoni, who is, I think by all accounts, the top guy on the board for Nebraska, certainly on the offensive side, and he's basically local, too, or he is local in in Council Bluffs, and he's dead set on taking his visits, which you know, maybe that'll happen in the fall, maybe not. Um, So all of those things together, I would say Nebraska's made the best of the situation and I think it was really important for them to go and get a quarterback. That was a, that was a, a calculated decision to be aggressive at that quarterback spot and get Heinrich Harber. and he has helped um, then fill in some of the other offensive skill spots. We saw Sean Hardy, the wide receiver from Georgia, um, and now they're running back today. So I don't think those necessarily happen. They didn't gain some momentum on the offensive side with, uh, with the QB in the fold. They've done well at linebacker despite losing Chris Paul last week. And then, uh, the offensive line is the other spot where they've, they've, uh, they've started to build a foundation. But, um, clearly some work to be done with this class with 10 commits. I know Scott Frost has said it's going to be a smaller group. I'll be interested to see when all of the scholarship numbers shake out, um, at, you know, from August on through December, if it remains as uh, as small of a class as they're they're thinking right now,
2: from a strategy standpoint, you don't know when you're going to be able to get visitors in, so you might as no. well do what you can with the virtual visits and and keep banging the phones or FaceTiming. And you know, I just think from a from a, an evaluation of talent and then getting in early on a kid, and it sounds like with Irvin they got in pretty early like sophomore year and, and then through his, you know, this junior season on top of Beckton's connections down in Georgia and then held just a bulldog man with, with, you know, yeah. connecting with kids. So I think it's pretty big. Are you, a, are you a star guy or are you a, what's the recruiting list look like guy or how do you kind of evaluate a, a wow factor with a recruit?
1: All, all of the above. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, Definitely put some stock in a guy if he's a four star or a five star. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, also you want to see how the other evaluators look at a player. If somebody's a three star and he's got Alabama and Ohio State and USC uh, offered him, then you know, you know, perhaps he's underrated by the by the recruiting experts. This is a more difficult year too to uh, for those star rankings and those in those player lists to be to be updated and accurate because the guys haven't been. Out um, doing the the combine circuit and mm-hmm. the camps and the Under Armour things and you know the opening and all of that. A lot of those, a lot of those, uh, the, those, those rankings come out of stuff like that, especially for the younger classes. So even like the 2022 and the 2023 classes are going to be behind on having uh, having those those recruiting lists uh, put together. So yeah, in that situation, I might look even more at the number of offers that a guy has, and you have to consider what kind of offers they are too. Sometimes you'll see a player. Uh, who's got, you know, 38 offers or something like that. It's, you know, the top 25 plus 12 more teams, 13 more teams. And, uh, you know, in talking with Will Schweitzer last week um, for a story I did on Nebraska's uh, four linebackers, it was five linebackers in this, mm-hmm. in this 21 class. You know, he said the thing about Nebraska was that it was a committable offer. It's not something that you hear kids talk about a lot. You know, kids like to think that all of their offers are committable. and if It's like, hey, if Alabama's on your list or LSU's on your list, um, you know, I can go there if I want. That's not really always the case. Those schools offer, and they say, "Okay, now you need to come to our campus, and we know we want to put eyeballs on you. We want to put you on the scale. We want you to you know run some routes in front of our coaches at a camp." And this is, this has been a year where, of course, it's, that's, that too has been really difficult. So you really have to consider what you're looking at when you when you check out a, a recruit's profile. You know, both from the uh, the ranking standpoint and how that, 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 that's a little different this year and then in the next couple of years and then also with the offers because not every offer is created equal.
2: you're right on I may get a letter from Alabama where am I on Bama's board right I mean
1: yeah just because you're listed on 24-7 with an offer from Bama doesn't mean you can call up Nick Saban tonight and say I want to be part of your class <laughs> and have him pop in the champagne it doesn't it doesn't work that way I don't know that everybody understands that but it doesn't work that way
2: there's only a few kids Nick gets off the boat dock for it at to, to take that phone call, Mitch. Uh, let's stay come on. With. He
1: takes the calls on the boat.
2: Uh, that, that's that's right. Well, someone's dialing his phone, right? In, in the name of COVID nineteen <laughs> safety, someone's dialing right. the phone, wiping it down, and, and hey, it's it's Saint Nick here. Uh, what do you think about? I
1: think him? it comes. I think it just comes over the sound system on the boat. He's on the boat, and <laughs> and, and the recruits just talk to him over his over his speakers. Nobody has to touch anything.
2: Yeah, that, just wired in. I love it. Let's spend a minute on on Husker baseball and. and what Will Bolts done here? Yeah. You've got, uh, of course, a kid that was supposed to head off to A and M, Max Anderson, uh, Millard West phenom. Uh, you've also got the Norris kid, uh, C.J. Hood, and then Tucker Timmerman. Three in straight, uh, three in state products. That that wow, what a day yesterday for Nebraska baseball. And yeah. Will's a guy that that seems to me that's just going to continue to comb and comb the state of Nebraska. That he, he knows that and understands yeah. that pretty well.
1: Yeah, I think before Will Bull became a head coach, um, it was very apparent that one of the things he would thrive in doing was the recruiting part of it. And there are coaches who are, you know, like Darren Erstad was a professional baseball player who coached in college and, and, and could do great and use all his experience to, um, you know, work out X's and O's on the field and strategy. But, um, you know, I think recruiting – it comes naturally for Will Bull, where it may not have for Darren. Not that Darren and Darren recruited good players, mm-hmm. but um, you know, Will is a Will is a a professional baseball coach who played in college. So, kind of the opposite of what you're looking at when you have, you know, when you've gone through this coaching change. Um, he is going to, I, I would say, leave no stone unturned when it comes to recruiting. And these this first year plus with him in charge of the program, it's, it's hard to, to um, remember how long Will has been here because of the, uh, the upheaval and the way that that season was, was turned on its head. It feels like he's been here three months, but I don't know. It's been, it's been obviously a lot longer than that. So um, one thing that he's proven, and, and however long he has been back in Nebraska in charge of the program, one thing that he's proven is that he's going to prioritize Nebraska kids. And, you know, that kind of takes you back a bit to uh, the Van Horn era, and you know the the early 2000s when you know Nebraska players from Omaha and Lincoln high schools were coming to Haymarket Park and Buck Belcher Field and turning Nebraska into a contender. And it looks like Anderson, the kid from from um, from Millard West, you know, is it has that kind of potential. He's that kind of a guy who can be a cornerstone of your team from right in your own backyard. And you know, like it is in football. Nebraska baseball, Nebraska basketball. They need those guys when they're there. It's tough to lose them to Texas A&M. It's tough in baseball when you lose that guy to the minor leagues. So a big victory, and, and you know, it sounds like um, you know the 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 flood of riches at Texas A&M. You know, whatever it is, hey, we 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 uh, um, you know we have too many players on our roster now uh, because of the way that things worked out in this unusual off season. Um, you know, ends up benefiting Nebraska with. Uh, um, with, with Max uh, coming back and, and signing with the Huskers.
2: Mitch, I've got about 30 seconds, uh, assuming the green light happens for MLB. How do your Kansas City Royals do in a 60-game schedule?
1: Well, I don't know. Everything changes. I mean, it's a sprint, not a marathon. It's like a college season. Um, the, you know, the thing that everybody wanted to see with the Royals was how was that young pitching going to come along? Mm-hmm. And, you know, were those guys going to be ready to like come up in August or September? Well, now, I mean, what, what's August or September? Is that still? The, you look at the calendar now, like it was, uh, if it was a 162 game season. I don't know. I tend to believe that it's probably going to set the Royals back a little bit, so that like those those young pitchers are going to are going to need need more time. But there's no minor league season for them to pitch in. So, I, so do they pitch in extended spring training all year? Do you know, do you bring them up and sacrifice them to the, you know, to the big league bats? I'm not sure how it's going to work out. Dayton Moore in, has got his has got his work cut out Mm -hmm. for him. Mike Matheny's got his work cut out for him. I hope they find a way to to, uh, stay competitive and and be in the pennant race.
2: Mitch, we'll talk next week. Great to chat. Thanks for a few minutes.
1: Okay, thanks,
0: Chris.
3: Chime in. 402-466-ESPN or email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com
2: Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. All right, let's uh, spend uh, another little bit of time here on NASCAR. Great to be with you. Tuesday, Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mitch Sherman, his interview, we uh, hit on Husker hoops, Husker baseball, Major League Baseball, some recruiting. uh, That'll be up on ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand section, and the ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle. Damon Barr is going to hammer that out. YouTube Tuesday will be up in about 20 minutes. We will revisit 1982, Nebraska-Auburn, Nebraska versus Bo Jackson. Well, we can say that because Bo is the only guy to score that day for Auburn. 41-7 Husker win. 20 of the 41 points in the fourth quarter. Some awesome stories from Chicago Bear and 85 Bear Super Bowl champ Mitch Crank. Major League Baseball pitcher and native Nebraskan Jake Diekman with the Oakland A's will join us in... About 45 minutes. So let's get to NASCAR. You have a statement from the FBI. And there's been plenty of reaction on this. Uh, This came down about 30 minutes ago. And a joint statement from the U.S. attorney, J.E. Town, an FBI special agent in charge, Johnny Sharp Jr., regarding the noose found in NASCAR's Bubba Wallace's garage, at Talladega Speedway Sunday. So here's the statement. On Monday, 15 FBI special agents conducted numerous interviews regarding the situation at Talladega. After a thorough review and the facts and evidence surrounding this event, we have concluded that no federal crime was committed. The FBI learned that garage number four where the noose was, was assigned to Bubba Wallace last week. The investigation also revealed evidence, including authentic video confirmation by NASCAR, that the noose found in the garage number four was in the garage as early as October of 2019. Although the noose is now known to have been a garage in, in garage number four in 2019, nobody could have known Mr. Wallace would have been assigned to garage number four Last week, the decision not to pursue federal charges is proper after reviewing all available facts and all applicable federal laws. We offer our thanks to NASCAR, Mr. Wallace, and everyone who cooperated with the investigation. So there was no news. So the statement from Racing calls this piece of rope a noose, and the the picture is, that I've seen on social media, as a kid, did you ever have a buddy or did you have a garage you had to physically open? Our neighbor had it. And I always kind of thought that would suck when there's awesome February still in Nebraska where you got to park your car in your driveway that you haven't shoveled because you just got home from work and you got to physically unlock your garage and then open it up. And then when you leave to go take the kids out to pizza, You've got to get out of your car, park your car, and then reach up, put your arm through a loop, and pull down. And to me, it sounds like that piece of rope that was used to open and pull down a garage was seen as a noose. Maybe it broke, maybe it ripped, and it was just placed somewhere. Now, it looks kind of like a noose. But the the rope in question is to pull down a garage. And I am zero familiar with <laughs> Talladega Speedway. Uh, we will get Lars Anderson on with us this week. Lars has done incredible reporting for NASCAR for majority of his career. So, Lars on Twitter, why, I'm confused, why was it there to begin with? So, yeah, I, I, so they're not pursuing federal hate crime. It wasn't a noose. That's the, that's the take. Damon, what do you make of this, man?
4: I mean, it's hard to tell because they they committed, or they didn't commit, they had an investigation. They, they come out with this. It's it's impossible to say really what, what's your what's your certain. take
2: i mean you've got video for I mean, there's, there's cameras everywhere and if someone's got a noose fan security race team member if there's bubba that hates black people that wants to scare wrong bubba but you know what i'm saying i'm going with uh stereotypical southern redneck name uh Bubba Wallace, in this instance, is a guy that has stood up to this for how many years? Uh, He's had to go to work with Confederate flags waving outside of his office. And he's been a stand-up guy with a strong, strong backbone. And then to see NASCAR respond the way they've responded is incredible and it's what you hope for and don't know what you're always going to get but NASCARs responded to this the right way with support and love and inclusion and that's that's what you have taking with me anyway forward is that that Bubba's a guy that that felt some love finally versus maybe as feeling an outsider in a all-white sport.
4: And I think I think my take is that I hope that the fact that they came out with this investigation and said, oh, it wasn't placed there, it wasn't a hate crime, I hope it doesn't take away from everything that has happened since then in support of Bubba.
2: Well, Bubba had the, the cohenes to, to say, look, man, got to get rid of the Confederate flag. And and that has happened, thankfully. And, I mean, it hasn't outside of the events, but at least inside... There's been movement, positive movement. I. This sounds to me like what the FBI thought. This isn't cover up. This isn't let's put something so outlandish out there that maybe it'll work to, to move on. I don't think that's the case. I don't think this is botched. I don't think this is something that it, it's too. it's too important of a time right now to to move forward. And <laughs> this, this can't be planted or false, I guess is my hope. If this is what they say with footage that goes back to 2019 with no knowledge of, hey, Bubba's going to have that garage, maybe the rope broke and someone tossed it and someone thought it was the news. That seems plausible, doesn't it? seems believable. seems kind of happenstance. And you shouldn't go, okay, let's make a big deal out of really It was not no it, it's still in, in in the the week after NASCAR made their move with the Confederate flag, you couldn't put it past somebody. Being an a-hole. So you had to investigate, but at least you've been able to investigate. This is your conclusion. What do you think of it? Do you buy it? Is it the truth? I mean, they had that many FBI agents and then NASCAR working with video evidence. I don't know. I think that if that's the answer they tell me it is, I guess I got to believe them. It's one hell of a coincidence. Well, that's that's the other side of it. We'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Coming up, busy hour two. It'll be YouTube Tuesday. Nebraska Auburn. Mitch Crank will join us in about ten minutes. Major League Baseball thoughts from a native Nebraskan and lefty for the Oakland A's, Jake Deekman. And uh, be sure to check out his foundation. Gut it out. But Jake will give us his thoughts on what looks like uh, Major League Baseball set to go back to work July 1st. And uh, you'd get uh, action and games around July 24th. Let's give you a quick update on Maurice Washington. And this is from the uh, Lincoln Journal-Star. As uh, L.P.D.'s looking for former Husker back Maurice Washington after the missing persons report has been filed. Uh, You have LPD officer Aaron Spilker said an out-of-town, I should say an out-of-state family member reported Washington missing Friday. Uh, LPD did not release any other details on Washington's status. Of course, Washington dismissed from the Nebraska team in January, played two years, uh, was suspended multiple times, and uh, was charged and sentenced to 30 days in, in jail out in California for the revenge porn. He pleaded no contest, two years probation. So you have a spokesperson with uh, UNL that says uh, Mo still appears on Nebraska's online directory, but he's not been enrolled in classes since the fall of 2019. You also have Mo's social media accounts They've been deactivated in recent days. So we'll keep you up to date on Maurice Washington as a missing persons report has been filed. And uh, authorities are on it, State Patrol and uh, LPD. So I hope things are, man, I hope Mo's okay. 466 37 825 5865. You've got uh, a safety at West Virginia, Kerry Martin Jr. He uh, went public earlier with allegations of mistreatment by defensive coordinator Vic Koning of West Virginia. You have West Virginia placing Koning on administrative leave. Uh, NASCAR, we told you the story about the Bubba Wallace investigation and. The FBI deemed that a hate crime was not committed. NASCAR's president is heading, hitting the podium here at about five minutes. We'll keep you up to date on on that. So the reality is this: NASCAR's done more to support Bubba Wallace in the last forty-eight hours than you could argue some have done to support Colin Kaepernick in the last four years. So there you, there you go. We are loaded up for hour two. Mitch Crank, Jake Diekman, and open phones for you. 540 uh, to 6466 3776 800-825-5865. Let's get you an update on uh, drinking and driving, and that is, please don't do it. Uh, The Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Offices plead with you. They have sobriety checkpoints out for you to make sure that you are not drinking and driving. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Drunk driving, buzzed, or high driving, never acceptable. Get that designated driver, pre-select one. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Mitch Crank, YouTube Tuesday, Nebraska-Auburn, up next on Hale Varsity. Back with you at Tower 2. It's tail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. YouTube Tuesday. We've been doing this all spring and now into the summer where we look at a uh, a past Nebraska game and talk to a player or coach that was a part of it. We welcome in the uh, pride in Nebraska City. We say hi to the tight end. Mitch Crank is with us. Mitch, thanks for a few minutes, man. How you been?
5: I'm, I'm good. How you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Doing well. Thanks for jumping on with us, Mitch. And last time I think we talked, we, we had plenty to say about the 85 Bears, my friend.
5: Yeah, that was a fun time. And, and it's still, uh, Bears haven't gotten back, well, we've gotten back to the Super Bowl, but haven't won one since. So I guess we're still the to the town in Chicago which is kind yeah. of
2: fun that's good well Mitch a uh, game we're going to talk about is the uh, 1982 Nebraska Auburn ball game and 41 to 7 was the score it was a tight ball game until it wasn't let's just start off Mitch Crank is with us here what do you remember about that trip down to, uh, to, to Auburn down to the Plains I ask that because were you worried about it because of who it was, a 15th-ranked Auburn team that was a year away from being a top-five Auburn team, and it's on the heels of the greatest hose job in college football, arguably the loss at Penn State.
5: Yeah, you're exactly right as far as uh, uh, that's still still bothers me to this day i mean i'm 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 fortunate and lucky enough as a football player to have a super bowl ring and i i really feel that i should be fortunate and lucky enough to have a national championship ring because of that one loss that year against penn state which many people remember with the out-of-bounds catch and the what wasn't a catch for the touchdown and that whole thing but uh and if we had replay if you know if, if, if we had replays, of course, that would have been different. But that's what made this game real interesting because we were coming off of that. There was a lot of pent up fr- frustrations and, 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 um, and kind of the unknown. And what I really remember is, when we when we were in Auburn going to the game a couple things stick out to me we're riding through the countryside I can't remember where we stayed I mean it's been so long ago but I was sitting by big Jeff Merrill I don't remember Jeff Merrill was a big defensive uh nose tackle Mm -hmm. tough guy and he was from Alabama okay and so we were kind of joking around you know going to the game on the bus and I made a comment you know about hey uh is it, what about the KKK down here, you know? And, uh, I mean, Jeff looked at me, and here I'm a small-town Nebraska kid, you know. I I thought that stuff was all over. You know, I, I was all over. I meant done with. Right I, right, I didn't know. And he says, Mitch, we don't joke around that down here. He said, that stuff, it's kind of opened up my eyes, you know. I was like, are you kidding me, Jeff? He said, no. That's alive and well down here. And uh, so, so we're heading to the game. And and when we come out for warm-ups, they kind of had a, I'd call it a tunnel, but the the top open, you know, where you come out Mm -hmm. between the stadiums where the end meets the other one. It's kind of open from above, and there's people, you know, way up, you know, 100 rows up, 70 rows up, up above you, and they are throwing ears of corn, whiskey bottles. Coaches told us, wear your helmets. Wear your helmets and um and there was one guy who got hit. I can't remember what player it was. He got hit right below his helmet on the back of his neck, and it knocked him down Ooh. with with like a you know heavy ear of corn. i mean it was it was crazy, and so uh a, a funny part of that is, I remember after the game, Dave Remington, uh, when he was being interviewed, he said he said those those fans hated us so much." Uh, they were throwing Tylenol capsules at us. <laughs> if you remember back then, the uh, that was during the cyanide Tylenol capsule scare in 1982. Of course, you got to be older like me to remember that. But but uh, no, those fans those fans were crazy.
2: Mitch Crank is with us. Tight end for Nebraska and uh, with the Chicago Bears. YouTube Tuesday, we're remembering Nebraska's demolition of Auburn, 41-7, 1982. Bo Jackson scored the only touchdown for Auburn. It was a tight game. So as you lead up, yeah, it was a nasty home field advantage for Auburn. In reviewing some notes for this game, it seems like you guys just took it, uh, took all your frustrations from Penn State out on Auburn. And it seemed like you guys were super mature, super focused to go into that.
5: Yeah. And like you said, it was a really tight game. I remember, and again, you don't remember everything when mm-hmm. you get this, this many years out, but there's always little highlights that I remember. Back then, that was my senior year, and Jamie Williams was the other tight end. So Jamie and I ran plays in and out a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember about uh, two or three minutes left in the, in the sec- you know, before half, in the second quarter, Two or three minutes left. We, it was The ball was on our side about midfield. And I can vividly remember this because Coach Osborne, it was third and 20-something. I mean, we were third and 20-something, probably going to have to punt next one, you know. And Coach Osborne calls this pass play, tells me to run in a pass play. And I remember running in thinking, well, Todd Brown runs a hook and go on that pass play. What kind of defensive back – it's funny how your mind goes, you know. (laughs) What kind of defensive back would bite on a 10-yard hook, on a hook-and-go, when it's third and 22 or whatever? Well, we call the play, and uh, we run the hook-and-go, and and Todd Brown goes for a 50-yard-plus touchdown pass. So right then I figured – that's why Coach Osworth's calling the plays and not me.
2: <laughs> so it's 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 uh it's third and O Street, and the stop and go works to perfection. Did that put you guys up going into half?
5: I think fourteen to seven yeah. if, I, if my yeah. memory's right. Yeah. that was a big play right there before half and and I and I believe as far as the game goes, we uh, I think we scored maybe once in the third quarter. You know, to go, to go up 21-7, and then, and then in, I guess in typical fashion back then, mm-hmm. we just wore them down, obviously, because we took it to them. Our defense took it to them in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, and the offense, we just controlled the ball and kept it away from them. Uh, you mentioned Bo Jackson. Yeah. Um, here's, here's a funny second. I was the kind of player that I didn't really look at all the other names and stuff. I was so concerned and focused on just doing the best I could do, you know. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, looking back, they had Lionel. Remember Lionel James? Lionel Little Train James, they called him. And uh, he, was, he was the older running back, and they had this. I didn't even know about Bo Jackson. He was a freshman. But I do remember this. There was a play in the game, and we're on the sidelines on offense, right? So they run, Auburn runs a pitch play, and this big running back takes a pitch, and he's running up the sideline. And our safety, who was Brett Clark, who was m- my teammate in Nebraska City, too, oh, and great. great friend, Brett Clark, All American, and Brett could fly. Brett was like a 4'3", 40 guy at 6'3. Brett had the angle on him, and he beat Brett. Luckily for us, there was like a holding call, and it was cold, called back. Well, I remember I looked at a roster on the side. I said, who is that? Number 34. I looked at, I looked at the roster, and I told, my, told one of the other teammates on offense, I said, who's Boo Jackson? Boo Jackson? What, what? Who is this guy? Is this the freshman? Well, it was Bo Jackson.
2: <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I think uh, with Coach McBride and the black shirts, I think Auburn only had like 40 yards of offense or rushing in the second half against the wishbone because you guys had seen that against Oklahoma. But Bo was... Bo was going to go on to like lead the SEC in rushing as a freshman or something crazy. Exactly I mean, right, yeah. and, and he had like 18 it, yards. That's it. And
5: and I'm sure I'm sure the coaches knew who that guy was, but us as other players, a lot of us, we we didn't know about a Bo Bo Jackson. Heck, I didn't know. I thought his name was Boo.
2: Well, I tell you what, Mitch <laughs> Mitch Crank is with us YouTube Tuesday. We're talking Nebraska Auburn 82. That's just people. When you when I think of Bo Jackson and, and the you know the ESPN thirty for thirty, there's so many just big time athletes, players, coaches that they remember the first time they saw Bo. Right? It was right George Brett going he hit the freaking scoreboard you know during batting practice at Kaufman or Howie Long saying yeah he turned the corner and was gone because I think Bo still has the fastest con- combine. Forty at like four two nine. It was insane, you know.
5: Well, I was going to say, and I I wouldn't doubt that at all because, I mean, think of how many great players um,
2: you guys played against. We were
5: we were fortunate to play against. I mean, Kurt Warner just Mm -hmm. the week before. Yeah, but Bo Jackson just. Put it this way: I've never before searched for a program on the sideline, trying to figure out who somebody was during a game, and I don't think I ever did afterwards. I mean, I I thought, who in the world is that guy? I mean, he was as a freshman, he was so big, so thick, but so fast. It, it, yeah unbelievable
2: think about this who was on the field carrying the football should be hall of famer roger craig in the nfl he's not and that's a joke exactly heisman yeah. winner uh mike Rozier, future heisman yeah. winner bo jackson and then you got number one draft pick irving fryer
5: <laughs> i mean yeah and then i'm sure i'm sure lionel james I, I don't know his history but i'm sure he played in the nfl he and, yeah and uh and uh, I my mean, just and that's just that's just the backfield, you know. And um, <laughs> you got, yeah, so you got it, it, was, uh, and it was it Stein... was a lot of great great players. It was a uh, it was it, it was a lot. Of, obviously, I got some gr- great memories mm-hmm. from it, you know, with with all the stuff that happened and and things. There, there's some games that you think back and you don't really hardly remember mm-hmm. them at all. Mm-hmm. But there was those those items that I mentioned that uh, just stick in your memory.
2: Mitch Crank's with us a couple more minutes, and it's YouTube Tuesday, Nebraska, Auburn, 82 7 So, Mitch, let's speak to the schedule real quick. And your era at Nebraska, you walk on and you say, I want to play football for you, Coach Osborne. He lets you walk on from Nebraska City. You earn your way to a lot of – Reps, you worked hard, and you were a vital part of the offense for Nebraska. Could you have imagined that that non-conference schedule you guys had? I mean, think about your career, all the teams you played between Iowa and Auburn. Home and homes, uh, maybe the tail end of, of Bama. I don't know if you if you got a chance to to see Bear Bryant or not in the seventy eight seventy nine or seventy seven seventy eight. But Florida State, Iowa, Oklahoma was really good then. Okie State with Jimmy Johnson was really good then. You guys had a loaded schedule. We talk about Nebraska's twenty twenty schedule if we get to play it. Um, right. <laughs> what, what you guys what you were a part of during your time at Nebraska. I mean, some of the best non con years ever.
5: Yeah, and you know what's interesting is at the time we just as players we didn't know any difference. We just thought that's the way it was. You know, here's you know because every year we had those kind of schedules. You know, and and it was just such a different era. You even look at games on TV. Very few games. I think two to three games a year. We of course always the Oklahoma game was on TV but people don't realize it wasn't every week, you know, the young, young folks. Now it wasn't every week. Like it is now, you just turn on the TV and watch the game. You're talking, I, I, w- I might not, I don't know if that game was even on TV. I don't know. Um, to be quite honest, cause there was games. I know the Penn state game was, and I think there was some type of regulation that only a certain amount of games at that time could be on TV. And, um, so, so it was just such an interesting time, uh, you know, to, to play.
2: Mitch, last thought here, and I remember Fox Bryant telling me this story uh, about what he witnessed in Auburn on the bus, and it was a full moon is what he told me. And were you, uh, were you on that bus where an Auburn fan stopped the bus, dropped his pants, and mooned the team after the beatdown?
5: I don't think I was on that bus, because I probably would have remembered that. But, <laughs> but that does not surprise me with those fans. Um, I wish I remembered, uh, they got a name for where they tailgate. And um, they have one heck of a tailgate area. And um, to this day, um, what, what, do they, what do they call it? War Eagle.
2: Yeah, War Eagle.
5: To this day, I don't, I, I don't know what War Eagle is. They're the Auburn Bulldogs. What is War Eagle? Thanks. And they, I remember that always. People were yelling War Eagle at us, and I'm going. Are they the Eagles or the Bulldogs? I don't quite. I think they're the Tigers. They're
2: the Tigers.
5: Oh, Tigers! That's right. Tigers. I'm sorry. No, yeah. so, no. Well, put it this way. I knew they. I knew. I knew they weren't the Eagles.
2: <laughs> That's funny. Last saw here. Mitch Crank is with us and uh, standout tight end from Nebraska City. Was that the worst fan base you you ever came across?
5: You know. Uh, I, I would say it has to be right up there. Just what, and just the fact that there's nothing wrong with fans, you know. Uh, Getting after it a little bit. Because they right? were very loud, you yep. know, and that's what our fans try to be. Hey, hey, if the other team's on offense and trying to run audibles and what have you, you're, you're loud. That's great. But, um, and we've had stuff thrown at us before, but not like that. I mean, that was pro- that's, that's got to be um, right up there with the worst. I would say... I would say the worst fans um that I've ever seen was was Miami during the during the glory you know during their glory days. Sure. That 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 was that it, it, we'll talk another time on that, but <laughs> Miami was we never played Miami, but I went I went there as a as a fan. Sure. You know, in the mid 90s to the Orange Bowl when we beat them. There was fan behavior there that Was probably worse than Auburn.
2: Mitch Crank. Mitch, we'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes today.
5: You bet. Hey, thanks for having me.
2: Gotta love Mitch Crank, the legend of Bo Jackson. Jake Diekman, Oakland A's pitcher, next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We welcome in Nebraskan and left-handed pitcher for the Oakland A's, Jake Diekman. Find him on Twitter at Jake Diekman. And check out his foundation, the Gut It Out Foundation. Jake, uh, thanks for your time. How have you spent today? Hey, How have you spent? For me. Hey, man, it's good to talk to you again. How have you spent today? And, and let's just be clear. Nothing's official yet with back to action for baseball, correct?
0: Uh, I mean, I feel like we're really close. Um, I threw a bullpen at noon. um, Then I came home. They were going to meet around 3 or 4 o'clock here. Uh, I guess that meeting's still going on. Hopefully by... Hopefully in a couple hours, Mm -hmm. it's uh, finalized. And then... uh, we can actually like get to work and pack up here and move to Oakland.
2: Jake Diekman is with us, pitcher for Oakland, native Nebraskan. So the the agreements in place to to return to play, or I should say, get get to spring training, July first. That said, what what's the hurdle to your knowledge right now with health and safety because COVID's just gone crazy. In, in a lot of parts of the U.S., specifically the spring, spring training sites?
0: Uh, I don't honestly know. Um, I know all the player reps. Each team has a player rep. They're probably on the phone call. And mm. then they have like a subcommittee of eight. So there's probably 38 people on that call right now. Okay. Um, I don't know the exact what kind of the hold up or what's taking so long. Um, I know the... The rise in COVID is definitely concerning. Um, It's, I mean, like the state of Texas is booming again with Mm -hmm. it. And they can have up to like 50% occupancy. So if we go to Texas, are there going to be 20,000 fans in the stands? Because I don't feel like that's the safest thing. Um, So little stuff like that, it probably gets ironed out after we actually like finalize it because mm-hmm. okay. um, July 1st and then supposedly start like the 26th through the 29th, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we start there, once we actually get to spring training, three weeks later, the 29th, 28th, whatever it is, um, we'll be talking and like finalizing more like logistical stuff. I feel like at that point.
2: Jake, what's this been like for you? How have you you uh, dealt with this as a guy who's worked his whole life to be a pro ball player, and you've got this perception war out there. It's the owner's fault. It's the player's fault. And it seemed like things were going to get done, and then things were put on hold. The country wants baseball back, but it's also frustrated. Kind of paint your feelings, if you could, through this whole ordeal.
0: Uh, honestly, it looks terrible from both sides. Um, owners and the players, I feel like look like bad guys. Um, if all of this could have been handled behind closed doors, where proposals are just handed out and not leaked and, um, sources don't give up information and stuff, it'd probably look a lot better. Um, Just all the stuff going on in the world. Um, Baseball probably shouldn't have been talked about this much. There's other subjects of uh, life that need to be talked about a lot Mm -hmm. more, I feel like. Sure. And uh, just the back and forth that the players and owners had with each other, it did not look good. But hopefully July 1st, when we all can actually start our spring training 2.0, um, people will be excited that baseball is going to come back.
2: Jake Diekman's with us, uh, left-handed pitcher for the Oakland A's, and native Nebraskan joining us here as we're on the verge of baseball getting back. Hopefully, things get ironed out, nailed down, and we've got a, an official official release uh, here in a couple hours. Jake, are you concerned for your health and safety uh, moving forward here? What what's going to put you in a in a good uh, headspace, uh, moving forward with a shortened season.
0: Uh, for me personally, I'm in the high risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have the option of not playing and getting paid and getting service time. Um, but I could never do that. Uh, so for me, just playing like, okay, how many times are we going to get tested? Um, how? clean is, like, the clubhouse going to be? Like, what are the rules, like, when we're on the road? Like, that's another big thing. Like, are we doing, like, the three divisions that they are going to mix and match and, like, make basically, like, geographically? Mm-hmm. Um, is it is our division from Seattle over to Denver down to Arizona, just, like, basically the West Coast? Mm-hmm. Or are we... The schedule is the same, so on July 29th, if we're supposed to be in New York, are we flying six hours to go play in New York? Just a lot of that stuff, like, it's kind of weird. When we check into a hotel, are we going to have to wear a mask everywhere? Can we leave the hotel at any point? Just, like, random stuff like that, we really, so far we have no idea how that's going to be played out.
2: Any any guidelines or any what what if you could put the uh, the let's fix baseball hat on for a second? How would you like to see it?
0: Uh, I think it'd be a lot safer, in my opinion, to do like the West Coast, uh, the Midwest, and then the East Coast division like that. Mm-hmm. Um. I think you could use maybe just for this year. Um, I think you could possibly use that just to cut down on travel, cut down on, I don't even know. But I, don't, I, st- I still don't know what you're going to do with, like, going on the road. Um, will a whole entire hotel staff have to be tested before we come in? Mm. Or, like, I just, there's a lot of logistic stuff. And that could be what is somewhat holding this up from becoming, like, officially official. Sure. Um, But, yeah, I have no idea. I know, like, for me, if we're playing catch or hitting BP, um, we might have to wear a mask. I, I wouldn't be, like, so against that. Okay. But in like Kansas city or St. Louis or Texas works 110 during BP, you're going to have a player wear a mask. Um, instead of having them wear a mask, why don't we just spread out and make sure they're eight, 10 feet apart. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of logistical stuff, like little stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like let's say spring training 2.0. Uh, we take pitchers fielding practice and we're kind of like all on one side, either left, uh, left field line or right field line, like, in the infield? Do we have to be spread out all the way down? Or can we not, like, be anywhere close to one another?
2: Jake Deakins it's, with us on Hale Varsity. No, it isn't. I appreciate you, like, being so thorough with this. As far as the 60 games, what's your reaction to that?
0: Uh, it's very doable. Like, um, hopefully we can somewhat, like, control COVID rising again Mm -hmm. Um, because it's going to be a lot of moving pieces, and I don't know if once we get started, if everything is going to be shut down. I think this just might be a rolling thing where once we're started, hey, we're going to try to get to the finish line no matter what. Um, there's There's just a bunch of, like, little stuff that, like... Players think about, but I don't know like if non like players that have to do it think about like are we going to have to take our own baseballs to the bullpen? Because no one say Liam Hendricks, who who's our closer, he's not going to want to throw with balls that three or four other guys have already thrown with. He like as players, I don't think we'd really care, Mm -hmm. but for like a health and safety reason like that's probably not the smartest thing to do Um, I read somewhere where like an hour ago where we instead of licking our fingers we could have like a wet rag in the back of our pocket I mean that just seems stupid
2: (laughs) But again with health and safety you understand where it's coming from but I get what you're saying Jake I've got about two minutes before my segment ends I don't want to cut you off so I'd love to spend a few more minutes with you real quick from a from a prorated standpoint and, and the money aspect, um, are you okay with thirty seven percent? That's kind of the number that that is going to be moved forward, and then the, the postseason staying where it's at.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it could have looked. We could have bickered. They could have bickered more. Mm-hmm. Um, we came to somewhat of a conclusion um, but I feel like the biggest hurdle now is to make sure that the players, the coaches, the trainers um, the front office that comes on the road that everyone can stay healthy and there's protocol say so if a guy gets it what's the protocol um, is he just shut down for two, four, six days like I don't know what's going to happen there. To quarantine
2: um, or isolation, right?
0: Yeah, because you can't, like, try to put on this big production in 66 days where we're going to play 60 games and not think that someone's going to get it. Like, it's, it's going to happen. Right.
2: So and you've gotten, there
0: needs to be rules and regulations that need to be put in place so everyone is
2: safe. And you've already had, what, Philadelphia and Toronto shut their spring training down because of COVID cases uh, popping up. Uh, Jake, can you give me five more minutes on the other side? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Hang on the line for me. Jake Diekman uh, with us on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, pro ball player with the Oakland A's. He is uh, good stuff. He is a Nebraskan, and he has laid out uh, where he's at. Kind of a a waiting game right now as there's one last hurdle when it comes to health and safety, the – Players Association agreeing to report to training camps July 1st. And also, yes, let's play that 60-game season. The two sides still discussing health and safety protocol. That for ESPN. Jake's really awesome for coming on. And we'll spend a couple more minutes with him. I want to go back to something he said about his health and his safety and his high risk also give him a chance to spend a minute on his foundation, Gut It Out. Major League Baseball on the doorstep of returning. More with uh, baseball pitcher Jake Diekman.
3: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taught pre-teen Swedish boy.
2: Talking with Jake Deakman, native Nebraskan and pitcher for the Oakland A's. uh, Major League Baseball on the doorstep with the Players Association and the owners. Getting back to baseball spring training July 1st. There are still a couple of of hurdles uh, when it comes to health and safety, and Jake Deakman's kind enough to give us a couple more minutes. Jake, uh, you mentioned earlier in our interview about health and safety, and and you're in a high-risk category. You, You wouldn't feel right. Not earning service time or, or taking money, I want to ask why and I and I understand that you're, you're, you're reasoning for that, but it's also understandable. Just kind of explain what goes into your decision to, 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 to move forward and, and want to play a shortened season.
0: Uh, it has more to do with like the 25 well maybe like 28, 30 guys that Mm -hmm. you go to battle with every day. Um, As a competitor, you feel like you can somewhat make a difference in the game. So, I mean, the thought of watching maybe the team lose a game five to four, when you think that you can make a difference or say that they win the world series and you decided, okay, um, for, like, my health and safety, I'm just going to, like, opt out. Hey, I have all the respect for the world if that's the decision, like, guys make. But even though I'm on the team and I opted out, I couldn't celebrate, like, making the playoffs or, like, making it deep into the playoffs and winning the World Series if I wasn't actually participating. Like, the thought of winning the World Series or making the playoffs again outweighs any, like health and safety risk that I, I have. And I would just feel better, like, actually physically earning it. Sure.
2: Are you in favor or against getting mic'd up? Do you think that'd be cool for the fans?
0: I think that's definitely cool. I think, for me personally, as a relief pitcher, like, I, they, would, they might have to cut it off at a certain inning. Sure. Um, or, I mean, we just have to, like, really start locking in and paying attention to the game in, like, different scenarios. Mm -hmm. Like, different parts of the lineup that might come up in, like, the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th inning. Um, As, like, a position player, though, I feel like that would be probably the coolest part, or, like, a uh, starting pitcher that doesn't pitch that day. Mm -hmm. That'd be good. I I feel like that would be really good. Say, like, Walker Bueller's on the mound, but Kershaw's in the dugout. Mm -hmm. Like, and he decides to get mic'd up like that would be really cool insight to see.
2: Jake, uh, tell folks about Gutted Out, your foundation, real quick. I know we spoke uh, as you had a Twitch uh, event where folks logged on and raised money, but if folks are new to your foundation or just hearing you for the first time, give folks a quick rundown so they can help support it.
0: Uh, Gutted Out Foundation is – We bring education and awareness to Crohn's and colitis and IBD. Um, I've had colitis since I was 10 years old. I'm 33 now. Uh, In 2017, I had my colon removed. And uh, we decided to start a charity to start raising uh, just money and funds for trials or hospitals or different organizations that we saw fit. Um, Yeah, we did a... I was going to do a... 10-hour stream on Twitch. That got short like six and a half hours in because we were in a tornado warning and the siren was going off.
2: Yes, we were.
0: (laughs) And my wife's like, "Uh, you hear those sirens? And I have like my headphones on and she has to come down and like physically take them off me. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, oh, there's a tornado uh, like five miles south. I was like, all right, guys, I got (laughs) to (laughs) go.
2: There till the end, man. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Folks can uh, find uh, Gut It Out on Twitter at gut it out DN and uh, info at uh, org and uh, GutItOutFoundation.org is where you can log on. Uh, Jake, we'll get caught up again. Best to you and best to, to Oakland moving forward. I hope this thing gets hammered out tonight and I can't wait to see you on the mound.
0: All right, thank you very much. Hopefully tonight or early tomorrow.
2: Absolutely. Jake, take care, bud. Thank you.
0: You too. Thank you right. very
2: much. There he is. Jake Diekman with us. Native Nebraskan and a relief pitcher with the Oakland A's. There's your up to the minute, and they're still hammering out. And he laid out very valid and real concerns about health and safety. I mean, and I just think about it with my, my kids' team. He's, he's the Lincoln A's, and Junior just how the first weekend went with social distancing and kids in the stands and parents on chairs and spread out, and it it worked well. We had a, a tournament in Omaha, just kind of off of ninety uh, fifth and West Center on on Sunday, and so far so good. Everyone's healthy. Things are disinfected. The coaches are following great medical advice. With Major League Baseball, it gets. Crazy. His point about okay, if are, are you going to have half a stadium full in Texas? Uh, do we need to rethink Florida and and Arizona as spring training spots? And his take on do you kind of reconfigure the division So you have a West Coast, a Midwest, and a in a in a Northeast setup, just to, to eliminate some travel. And I think a I think a Oakland's division anyway. I mean. Their setup is Oakland and LA, Seattle and Texas, and then there's, there's Houston. So, Seattle, Oakland, LA, yeah, do you shift it around? So, you kind of marry the, the National and American League one time only, where you have LA and San Fran and San, do you have your California division and throw the Rockies in there. And this short spurt of 60 games will be very interesting. I think a juniors team, and that's the Yankees, and I think, a, I think a Aaron Judge. And I think, a, I think the oblique injury that's been jerking with, with Aaron Judge at different parts of his career, because he, he swings so hard, or how he ever, however he pulls it, I think it doesn't heal overnight. It's going to take a while. Or a guy gets a hamstring. Or a dude's got an elbow issue. So if they've got 70 days or less to crank out 60 games, baseball's already a grind where you have 162 games anyway. So that was fantastic from Jake Diekman. We'll have that full interview up on ESPNLincoln.com. In the on-demand, we'll tweet out uh, the link so you can hear that. And uh, if you missed part of it, but uh, great insight. I hope it's hammered out tonight. And if they are holding and standing pat on health and safety, you can't fault the players for that. Jake was very real and honest with just the perception that that existed. And he's right. I mean, there was leverage being exhausted by the owners uh, with uh, what was leaked and this attempt to portray players as greedy and they've been willing to take a pay cut but there's just so much mistrust so let's, let's move forward, let's get it done but let's do it safely so awesome stuff from Oakland A, Jake Diekman a quick timeout. we'll say goodbye on a Tuesday Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery
3: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing.
2: We're on call
3: for you. Catch the podcast at hailbarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back
2: to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, gonna want to hear the Jake deekman interview, Mitch Sherman, and of course Mitch Crank, YouTube Tuesday. Tomorrow, Mike Babcock will be with us. Brad Edwards of ESPN. A little shooey time. We are efforting Lars Anderson. He spent the day with uh, Bubba Wallace. So, we will see if we can't get Lars locked in at some point this week. So, we'll take uh, more email suggestions for the next YouTube Tuesday. What player or coach or game do you want to chat about? Do you want to hear about? have got something brewing between my ears. But... Always happy to take your suggestions, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Damon, what does your Tuesday night look like? I always like checking in. Is it uh, takeout? Are you going to fire the grill up? Is it girlfriend time? What's what's up?
4: Well, my girlfriend actually just got a new puppy, so that's been occupying most of her time. It it means I've got a new puppy, too. But luckily, she's taking care of her tonight, so I'm just going to throw a pizza in the oven uh totinos watch a movie uh <laughs> i uh, red baron i'm going all out Ooh. today going all out <laughs> call our boys at lazaris and just treat yourself i
2: should i should <laughs> <laughs> all right um quick question for you so i need to know more about this this puppy
4: what what are we what are we dealing with it's a, a 4 month old it's a boxer Mm. Uh, her name is Sable, and she is not potty trained yet. Like the wrestler? I, <laughs> beats me. <laughs> name that Google Sable,
2: it. but make sure you're not around your parents when you Google Sable. Okay, I'll make sure I'm safe away from don't, them. <laughs> don't do it at work either.
4: <laughs> when
2: I get home, first thing I'll do. <laughs> and clear your history so she's not ticked off at you. What are you doing, Damon? There's research for the show, I swear. Mm, sorry. So Sable, and she's a boxer, do you too want to dog sit to older dogs by, by
4: chance? Are, are you uh, asking me if I'm willing to take up a uh, spot watching some boxers? Or No,
2: I'm asking if you want to just be a, uh, hey, it's Uncle Damon, Roz and Gertie. Uh, let's go hang out with him. Roz is four. She has an eating disorder that is... I'm going to jump on your counter and eat things off of the counter. Gertie is the mad German, the German shepherd. She's really kind of calmed down. She's awesome.
4: Well, I got, I got a big backyard. So if you ever want to drop them off, do they have two uh, gates. <laughs> we have, we have gates. Yeah.
2: Let's <laughs> just test their obedience. Right. So do you have to put a nice face on that?
4: Oh, sweet. Great. honey, you've, Got a dog, or are you a dog guy? I've never really been a dog guy, but this dog actually likes me. You're not a cat guy, are you? Uh, I do have a cat, My God.
2: You and Vogues and, sorry, dude, I just, there's other people that have cats, and you're both good dudes, but I just,
4: I'm allergic to them. See, my mom's really allergic, too, so maybe that's why I wanted a cat so bad. That's why you so got a cat, yeah. so she won't come over? <laughs> well, no, just because I was never allowed to have one. <laughs> well,
2: what do you have for your cat?
4: Uh, she's, uh, she's about a year old now. Uh, she I thought she was a bangle when I got her, ah. to, but she must just be like a tabby. Because Did you name her Burrow? <laughs> I, I wanted to name her something really dumb, but I, I named her Alfie instead. <laughs> ah, Alfie it is. So that's our, our pet minute with Damon. He's
2: a, a proud... Uh, I'll I'll see Dad with uh with with the the, the the girlfriend's new boxer. Wonderful. Uh we will lock in tomorrow. More college football, more Hale varsity. Uh we'll keep you updated on Mo Washington as the search is out for him. And uh, talk to you tomorrow at four. Thanks.